From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, fractals and the retina. Does the hypertension come first and then the fractal dimension changes, or does the fractal dimension change first and then hypertension develops? First this. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month, but the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. Last time I gave a lengthy introduction, a sort of primer, on fractals. That podcast is, for most listeners, a prerequisite to today's program. Gerald Liu has just published a study employing fractal analysis of the retinal vasculature. I'll let him take things from here. Gerald, welcome to a scene from here. What is it about a vascular tree that makes it a fractal shape? Sure. Okay. Well, I guess broadly speaking, that the vascular tree itself is similar um, on several scales. It's not a perfect fractal, though. So there, there is that question of that, which is why I was hesitating to, to answer it. But it approximates a, fra- it approximates a fractal well enough, um, mainly because of statistical self-similarity. How has fractal analysis been applied in medicine outside of ophthalmology? Yeah, okay. well, it's been applied um, in several areas. Pulmonary medicine, people have used fractal analysis to characterize the branching of the bronchi- bronchi and the bronchioles. Um, it's also been used in cardiology, um, again, to look at the, the, um, you know, the, the, the small, the micro vessels in the heart, as well as ECG patterns. Um, it's been used in cancer medicine and in dementia, uh, well, studies, pathological studies of dementia as well, to... Well, in cancer medicine, I think it's been used in renal cell carcinoma. Um, apparently, there's some changes in vascularity with renal cell carcinoma in pathological specimens. And as well as, as in people with dementia, Alzheimer's, the neuronal, I think the axon, axons and the dendrites, again, the dendritic pattern seems to change a little bit. Yep, and that has been quantified using fractal analysis. So, so it's been used in several areas, not just for branching of blood vessels, but also for for, you know, for, for any branching structure like, um, like neurons. Gerald, what was the objective of this study? The, the main objective of this study was to see if we could accurately and reproducibly measure the fractal dimension of the retinal vasculature using a new program that we have developed. Can I get you to describe the design of this study and of the patient population? Okay, it's a, it's a cross-sectional study. It's, it's basically um, um, a reliable, reliability study where we're testing a new program. Um, the patient population was a sort of semi-random subsample of the Blue Mountains Eye Study population, which is quite a well-established um, uh, ocular epidemiology study. What, what happened is, the, the reason why we developed this program was because <clears throat> our, our, our ultimate goal is to see if fractal analysis of the retinal vasculature would provide information useful for predicting cardiovascular risk. So with that, in, with that in mind, we chose a, a subsample of, um, of participants from the Blue Mountain Eye study, uh, 100 with known hypertension, 
another 100 with known diabetes, and another 100 without diabetes or hypertension or a history of a coronary heart disease or any vascular disease. Because we wanted to see if the fractal dimension is different among people with and without a vascular disease. What were your main outcome measures? The outcome measure is, is systolic blood pressure, presence of hypertension, and presence of diabetes. And the dependent variable was fractal dimension. If the outcome variable is considered to be the dependent variable, so what, what the outcome is, then it is fractal dimension. Whereas the independent variables and the study variables would be age, blood pressure, um, hypertension, because we wanted to see if age, hypertension, systolic blood pressure, all that stuff affects the fractal dimension. Gerald, what was the method by which the vascular patterns were digitized? Okay, well, basically we modified an existing program that we have. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we've, well, our group has developed um, um, software that, that, that can detect, age detection software that can detect vessels. It can extract the vessel pattern from, the, from, from color and black and white, color and monochrome photographs. Okay, this work actually grew out of our earlier work on measuring arterial and venular caliber. So in order, to develop, in order to measure arterial and venular caliber, we had to develop a software that could detect um, the presence of vessels. It, what, what the program actually detects is changes in the contrast and changes in brightness and edges, which, which we take to represent the edges of vessels. So, so, so we have this software that can detect vessels. Now, we modified this software so that it would detect the vessels and then extract the pattern of uh, vessels, skeletonize it, which, which means just basically trace out all the vessels that the program can, can pick up. And then we, we added on to that program more code to measure, to measure the fractal dimension of, of the skeletonized vessel tracing using the box counting method. Can the software distinguish between vasculature and things like pigmented lesions? Well, the, the software is not very good at distinguishing between that. Um, which is why we still need manual input. Because as I said earlier on, the software depends on changes in contrast. So, so if there's a change in contrast for whatever reason, pigment or, or vessels or choroidal vessels, um, then the software will pick that up as a vessel. So what we did was we reduced the sensitivity of the software so that it wouldn't pick up gradual or mild changes in, in contrast, but rather fairly extreme changes um, but even then, it still picked up some artifacts like, um, you know, like pigment changes or you know, peripapillary atrophy. Choroidal vessels as well are picked up too, which is why we needed human input. So after the, vest, after the program skeleton picks up these vessels, or what it thinks are vessels, and skeletonizes the image, we, we have a greater look at the image, um, as well as the original image, and then manually remove artifacts. What portion of the retina was analyzed? Well, our, our program can theoretically analyze the entire, the entire portion of the retina that's imaged, that's, on the, that's taken in the photograph. But, um, but we wanted something that was, we wanted an area to be analyzed that would be reproducible so that we could follow changes over time. Um, because as you know, some photographs, some retinal photographs can be taken at, uh, with 30 degrees and others can be 60 degrees. So it's a wider field of view or, or a smaller field of view. So, so what we've decided to do is we would um, analyze a portion of the retina up to 3.5 disc diameters away from the center of the optic disc. So it's sort of like a, a fixed area based on the size of the optic disc that's cropped from every image. So this allows us to, 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 to measure the same area of the optic disc longitudinally. Say we photographed, we photographed someone today with a field of view, 30 degree field of view, and then we photographed him 
few years later with a 60-degree field of view, we could still compare the images because we're cropping an area based on the size of the optic disc, which should stay constant for the individual person. Was any attempt made to separate the arterioles from the venules? Yes, that's a very good question, and that's the that's the next step that we that we're considering exploring. But no, at the moment we are not separating the arterioles and the venules, because computationally it's actually very difficult to to do that. It, it's extremely difficult for the for 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 the program to detect it, to distinguish between an arterial and a venule. I gather that you measured the fractal dimension、uh, through the box counting method. Can I get you to talk about that a little bit? Well, box counting is just one of several methods used to measure the, the fractal dimension. However, it seems to be the most widely used method for biological structures such as the retinal vasculature. This is because I think it's been found empir- empirically to be fairly robust to to,、um, to to structures which aren't strictly fractal. Because the retinal vasculature is not actually a fractal; it's close to a fractal, and and the box counting method gives numbers which are. Reproducible,、um, so it's it's become accepted in the in the literature. What the box counting method does is it it divides the image into into many little boxes of a certain size, and it counts the boxes through which the the fractal the skeleton fractal pattern goes through. So all the boxes which are well, which are occupied or or through which、um, a vessel runs through. So it counts those but it counts those boxes. And then it repeats the process by dividing the image into、um, more boxes of a different size, and then again it counts the it counts the number of boxes through which it passes, and then a graph is plotted of the logarithm of the number of boxes through which the image passes against the size of the box, and the slope of this logarithm is taken to be the fractal dimension. Can you explain how the program works? Well, all right. Well, as you know, our, our computer software. Um, does two things. One is it extracts the skeletonized vessel pattern, and the other is it calculates box counting.、Uh, it calculates the fractal dimension. So the calculation of fractal dimension bit is fairly straightforward, as,、um, as 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 you as you know. We validated it manually. You know, we we looked at the image that was extracted and compared it to the、um, the original color image. And most of the vessels were picked up. Not all the vessels were picked up. Um, not all the vessels were continuous. We have still issues with the program that can be further refined, but it's 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 close enough to the reality for us to accept that what what is extracted is a true representation of the of of the reality. You know, we we haven't done any um, um, precise quantifiable、um, validation. Gerald, what were your results? The main findings we found were that the the fractal dimension is、um, inversely associated with Age, as well as with systolic blood pressure. Now, this was what we expected to find because it, I think it's 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 known that as you as as you grow older, the, the retinal the retinal vessels tend to attenuate and there are less of them in the retina. And clinically, we we know this. And similarly, with increasing blood pressure, it's it's known that there's rarefaction of the vessels in the、um, in in the retina. So so there are less of them. And、uh, so this was what we found、um, with our with our fractal dimension. We had expected to find some differences in fractal dimension with diabetes, because you know diabetes is, diabetes affects the, the retinal vasculature, venous bleeding, and and all that sort of stuff.、Um, but we didn't find that in people with diabetes in our study. Could be a few reasons. One is of course there there is no change in diabetes, or there is no change in diabetes without diabetic retinopathy. So that's something that we will look at in future if. If there is a change in 
fractal dimension with diabetic retinopathy. Some previous researchers using smaller samples and, um, um, and different methods have found this, so it is what we would have expected to find. The decrease in fractal dimension with age and hypertension can be interpreted in two ways. Either these patients had a genuine decrease in the density of the vascular net, or these patients had sufficient narrowing of the vascular lumina to fall below the level of detection of the recognition software. Which do you think is going on here? Okay, the first, the first possibility, um, which is that vessels are just dropping out. Uh, well, there's a, there's a third possibility as well, that, um, which is that there's remodeling going on. Some vessels just, you know, some materials just, sh- just shut down and, 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 and disappear. Regarding the narrowing of the vessels to the extent that the, that the, that the program doesn't pick it up, I suppose radically that's possible, but, but from, what, from what we can see, that's unlikely to be the case. I mean, narrowing does occur, but not to the extent that, not to the, extent that the vessels no longer picked up. Because as far as I'm aware, it's mainly the arterioles with the muscular coats and all that that narrow, whereas, you know, whereas the, pre, the pre-arterial capillaries and, and, and stuff like that, which, which aren't picked up by our program anyway, um, you know, they pretty much stay the same. Or they disappear, or they disappear completely. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that anyone has looked at the caliber of these, these, these tiny things. Gerald, do you think that the decrease in fractal dimension is an epiphenomenon, or is it indicative of the underlying disease process? Is the clinical pathology, like the hypertensive retinopathy, a result of the decreased retinal vasculature area? Yes, that's, that's a good question. I, I think the, the, the honest answer would be, at this stage, we don't know. It, it's, it's hard to answer that question because um, we need a lot more data. For one thing, we need longitudinal data to see which comes first. Does the hypertension come first and then the fractal dimension changes? Or does the fractal dimension change first and then hypertension develops, which would give us a clue. The other thing is we're not entirely sure what the fractal dimension measures. You know, other than this grab bag of complexity and, and increased vessels. But what exactly that translates into, we're, we're not sure. It's, it's presumably driven by, you know, by androgenic factors and endothelial function and um, you know, all, all of these things that determine the architecture of the microvasculature. But at, at this stage, I think we, we, we don't know. We're, we're not sure. We're hoping that it may be an early marker I mean, not just an epiphenomenon, but, oh, well, perhaps not an epiphenomenon of late hypertension, but an epiphenomenon of, of, of early hypertension. So whatever molecular changes are, are taking place, um, you know, may, may be reflected structurally by, by these changes in the microcirculation. Gerald, this was a, a wonderful study. Uh, how do we use this information clinically? The approach that we are taking is we're hoping that these changes will be useful for cardiovascular risk prediction. But from an ocular viewpoint, it can be useful as well. Um, for example, in detecting changes, early changes in diabetic retinopathy, there's a recent, a recent paper has just been published in Clinical and Experimental Ophthalmology where a different group has used um, their, own, their own software to look at the, the changes in the fractal dimension of the vessels um, on fluorescent angio- angiography um, in optic neuritis and and, um, and, and non-arterated anterior ischemic optic neuropathy. And they found changes in that too. So again, it can be useful for you know, vascular diseases of the optic nerve, possibly for glaucoma, um, you know, optic neuritis, as this group has found. So, so subtle changes, subtle early changes, which the eye is not very good at picking up um, in, the, in the circulation, in the ocular circulation, in the retinal circulation, may be picked up early on by this, 
by this rectal dimension program. So, so that's why we're hopeful that it will be it will be an adjunct to perhaps diagnosis diagnosis of um, of vascular conditions, systemic and ocular. Gerald, is there anything that you'd like to add? Uh, we're, we're careful not to make too much of our findings because it's still very early stages. And the other issue is, you know, unlike ret- retinal arterial narrowing, which which Tian has published a lot on, and there's a lot of literature supporting its use. You know, the, what exactly the fractal dimension um, represents, as as you have pointed out, is it an epiphenomenon, or does it reflect something more fundamental? It's still not really clear. So I think what I would like to see would be. Um, perhaps more researchers looking at this. Here we have a global measure of um, of, of vascular structure. I mean, the, the the human eye can see you know, can see changes like oh, this eyes there's attenuation or there's rarefaction, um, like in retinitis pigmentosa, or, or you know, compared to a normal retina. But now we have a method of quantifying this. I think it's a useful tool that that um, that hopefully more researchers could could take advantage of. Um, in experimental work, perhaps in, to determine what sort of changes occur with hypertensive therapy, with angiogenic therapy. Yeah, so, so, so we're hoping to push this forward into different fields, um, different areas, looking to see if our program is useful in um, fluorescent angiograms, diabetic retinopathy, glaucoma. Gerald Liu, thank you so much. Great. Thanks a lot, Josh. Gerald Liu is registrar at Westmead Hospital and research fellow at the University of Sydney in Sydney, Australia. His paper, The Retinal Vasculature as a Fractal, Methodology, Reliability, and Relationship to Blood Pressure, appears in the August 2008 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Liu or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States-style area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.